Disclaimer. The 24 Shades of Blue Cold Case Edition series is about real ongoing homicide investigations. The following conversation may be disturbing to some people and is not recommended for all ages. Please take a moment and decide if you would like to continue listening or watching. Viewer discretion is advised. Hey everybody, welcome to 24 Shades of Blue Cold Case Edition. I'm your host, Andy O'Brien. Our last cold case is going to feature Donna Ogleve. And today I have head of homicide, Steve Smith with me. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Andy. Uh, I think the first uh, first question is let's let's map out who Donna was and and uh, and the last moments of her life. Yeah, Donna was a 24 year old young woman uh, of Filipino descent. She was originally from or li- originally living in Vancouver, and she'd only been out in Toronto about five weeks ish at the time. She was working as a sex trade worker. She was living in the area of Richmond and uh, um, Jarvis area. Okay. And she was uh, working in the area of uh, Gerard and, and Jarvis. So, Steve, let's talk about the area um, back in, uh, what was the date? It was March of 1998. Okay, let's talk about the area. What, what, what was that area like back then? What was it known for and what was the visual of that area? The Gerard Street area was well known in the sex trade industry. Uh, all up and down Jarvis Street, basically from... Front Street, right up until Wellesley Street, you had uh, a bunch of different types of sex trade workers working all up and down the street. Okay. And um, so what essentially happened here? What do we know just from where did she pick up a date? Uh, did they meet at a hotel or was this just a random on the street type of type of meet? Yeah. So at the time, the the hotels or the the suites, the, the condos, the, that wasn't as big at the time they were uh the sex trade workers were were using the streets uh, for their dates so whether it was in a vehicle whether it was in a park area whether it was in a uh, abandoned lot uh, that's where they were they were filling their dates so do we know where she was uh, originally picked up or we believe she was picked up in the area of gerard and jarvis that's the area that she normally works she would move up sometimes up towards carlton and jarvis but for the most part at the time i mean she'd only been here five weeks but she was working that general area between uh, on jarvis between gerard and carlton and when we look at uh where her body was found um for our viewers you can see kind of an empty parking lot um can you describe the area here yeah absolutely so we're talking uh, jarvis and carlton area so basically on the north west corner you would have had maple leaf gardens at the time on the south uh west corner you would have had a hotel southeast corner was a park area horticultural area and the uh, northeast area is a large uh, apartment building and out the back of that apartment building was an empty lot a parking lot and an empty lot and a lot of the uh, sex trade workers would take their dates out there to uh, to to fulfill the date so the so what happened essentially here was uh, she had met this individual and they then had come back into this parking lot um, what do we know about how she was murdered and what transpired? Yeah, we believe that they did have sex. Um, now, whether he killed her during the act of sex or whether there was a dispute afterwards in regards to payment, we're not really sure. But 
uh, she ended up being, uh, she died of strangulation. So she was manually strangled. Um, we believe you, she was strangled by the, the offender's hands. Okay. And in terms of the motives, you just kind of touched on it there. It could have just been something passion or it could have been, was there any signs of robbery? Was there? There didn't seem to be. I mean, it's, uh, who knows at the time? Who knows what type of individual we're dealing with and when, why they would do something like this. But um, whatever whatever occurred, unfortunately, it cost Donna her life. And DNA from the scene. Was there any DNA? Yeah, we have DNA from the scene. And that's why we're under the belief that they did have sex before she was unfortunately strangled. And when, from the DNA, what do we know about the perpetrator? We're currently, we're going through further testing to find out the, uh, the root population of where this individual was from and hoping to be able to do further testing, uh, genetic genealogy testing of sorts. And the DNA um, that was found was inconclusive? No. So at, at the time it was inconclusive, but since we've had advances in science, we've been able to definitively uh, determine a... Uh, uh, a code for a DNA code and we've okay. been able to upload it to the national DNA data bank. So we, we have a successful, uh, um, DNA code. Okay. And there has been no match obviously to anybody in the database thus far. That's true. We have no match on the national DNA data bank, unfortunately. In this area, was there, um, was there other types of crimes consistent to this one? There were no other murders of, sex trade workers in that specific area at that time. Um, during the 90s and the 80s, the late 80s, early 90s, there was a number of sex trade workers that were that were unfortunately murdered throughout the downtown area. But there was nothing that, that came back as a match to this. There was no uh, DNA match as well as there was, there was nothing that came back to, to lend us to believe that it was, it was one person committing a string of attacks. And in terms of the area, I mean, when we look at the area here, um, you know, you can really see it here. There was a ton of windows in the area, but because it was such a highly active area for this type of behavior, um, when I say behavior, I mean, obviously the, the sex trade industry, uh, type behavior, um, maybe people just thought it was just another night. Yeah. I mean, this, the sex trade wouldn't have drawn any interest. I mean, it was so prevalent at the time in the area that people for the most part wouldn't even look twice. Now, if she was screaming, that would have been a different, uh, a different event. But I mean, we don't know what happened. Um, it, maybe he was on top of her, maybe he choked her out, didn't give her a chance to even scream out for help. We're not really sure, but nobody called us to tell us that this happened. Unfortunately, we didn't find her body until the, the morning, about seven o'clock in the morning. And there's no, you know, we look at the murder scene here. There's no, uh, lights in this parking lot from what I can see, nothing that would really light this area up even so she would have been if she was being strangled in the dark there wouldn't have really been any witnesses no it's true i mean at the time we didn't do a great job of a lighting areas and b putting cameras in areas i mean obviously these days things are very different yeah and it's unfortunate because she was obviously here for only five weeks and here in toronto or here in the country here in toronto so she was she came from vancouver and she was in toronto for about okay. five weeks at the time and there was no other no other leads nobody has come forward nothing i mean this this was a random event so probably donna's friends wouldn't even have known who this person was i mean he could have been down specifically for the 
specifically to pick up a sex trade worker at the time. And it could have been a random meet. So even Donna herself may not have known who this person was. And do you believe this person was on foot or in a car? We don't know that. I mean, they very well could have been in a car. They could have picked her up. They could have driven into the back of the lot. Yeah. Um, they could have, they could have done the date in the vehicle or they could have done it in the lot. We aren't really sure about that. And I think um, one of the other, you know, obvious questions is, has, has, was Donna on your radar at all? Has she, in her five weeks, uh, had she made any kind of complaints or accusations someone was harassing her or any, anything to your knowledge? No, unfortunately, there was nothing of that that pointed us in the right direction. I mean, at, at the time, we tried to keep tabs on all the sex trade workers just in order to keep them safe. Um, but as far as, as complaints, uh, you rarely hear complaints from from sex trade workers. And if you do, it's, it's, it's very serious. And I mean, yeah. obviously we'd take it as, as there was a real problem at the time, but unfortunately we didn't get a, a ton of those complaints. And um, in this area, um, do you think there was other sex trade workers in that parking lot or around at that time? In other words, is there anyone else that may know or have seen somebody with her on the street or back there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at that time, there was usually a number of sex trade workers out on the street. And a lot of them would write down license plates that their friends had had gotten into the vehicles just for this type of event in case anything had happened to them. Unfortunately, in this, I mean, we liaised with the, the sex trade workers associations as well as canvassed all the, the women on the streets and and nobody was able to provide us any information. Was there um, in this in this specific area? Um, there was no cameras at all from Gerard up to, up to this particular place at all? No, I mean, on the east side is the parkette. So there was, there was nothing there at the time. And on the west side was a lot of the, the low rise buildings up Jarvis Street. And unfortunately at the time, uh, cameras weren't as prevalent as they are now. They're obviously more expensive. They're obviously more cumbersome. They obviously had to be wired right into the, the building. So in a, a lot of the, the buildings didn't put them in at the time. I want to kind of take a look at the murder scene here again. How was her, if you could describe the murder scene and how her body was found and when, I know it was around seven in the morning, but give our viewers a bit of a description here. Yeah. So it, it's basically just an empty lot. Um, and she was, she was kind of sitting slumped forward when she was found. So we aren't sure whether um, he had, went out to actually pose her after he had murdered her. Um, our belief is more that she may have still struggled, tried to struggle to her feet, but was unable to and just kind of slunched forward. Unfortunately, um, she wasn't able to, to get any more air. So if somebody was sitting, sitting down and slumped forward, it would almost be that they were maybe even strangled while somebody was behind them standing almost and bent over them. It could have been. Absolutely. I mean, our belief was that he was on top of her mm -hmm. and that she may have struggled up, but he definitely could have reached around her from the back as well and then just slumped her forward as he left. It's a very odd position. That's right. Yeah. It's not an, I mean, usually uh, when there's a body found, it's, it's just laid out prone, right? Yeah. And, and you figure, um, especially when, you know, hunched over like that, that's almost like somebody had, um, you know, had put her in that position. Yep. To stage. Absolutely.
Absolutely. Who found her? Uh, I was a passerby in the area. So, I mean, obviously once morning hits in, in the downtown Toronto, it's, you know, every area is flooded with people. So um, one of the first people out in the morning, it probably would have just been getting to light at seven in the morning in March. And yeah. uh, one of the, the passerbys probably going to work, walk, probably walk through that lot every day and uh, walks in and, and, and finds a, a young woman strangled to death, unfortunately. In regards to her family, did she have any family? Have you been in touch with any of the family or friends? No, unfortunately, we haven't been able to be in touch with any of her family. We've we've done our best to try to to locate some of her family, but uh, we have yet to find any. We've we've spoken with a number of her friends from the sex trade industry at the time, um, and they're obviously still concerned in regards to uh, to what happened to Donna. That you know, it's it still bothers it still bothers the girls that work there at the time. I want to intro a clip here. So we, we sat down with an activist and uh, veteran survivor of the sex trade. Um, here's what she'd like to say uh, to those listening um, and to the person that may have committed this crime. Donna was a beloved daughter. She was a beautiful person inside and out. She was a kindred spirit. And... She and her five-month-old baby lost their life on that night. And the impact is a wide, wide wave. It just does not impact the people that were close to her. I do implore that you unburden yourself. Please come forward. It's I, I am not judging you in my heart of hearts. I really feel that you need to get this off your chest. Um, your conscience is, I don't know, it has to have eaten you up alive all these years knowing what happened. And again, in closing, I will say to you, I don't believe you intended to cause harm that night. So that's an individual that, you know, had known uh, Donna and also had worked in that, in that industry. Um, even to back up a little bit, Steve, we didn't really touch on it, but she, this was really murder times too. Yeah. Unfortunately, Donna was about four months pregnant at the time. And that may have been one of the reasons why she left Vancouver and came out to Toronto at the time. We're not really sure. Um, okay. But unfortunately, yes, she was pregnant at the time. So I think, you know, to the viewers um, and individuals that know what happened here, this is somebody that murdered an innocent woman and her unborn child. I think, um, you know, this has to be eating away at somebody's conscience. And I think um, I think it's really important that somebody has heard through the grapevine or directly from this individual. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, what's your thoughts on, have they told other people about this? What typically happens in a case like this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, this is a burden that would be overwhelming to try to live with on your own. I'm sure at some point, the individual that, that committed this murder for whatever reason that they did would be telling people whether they're bragging about what they've done or whether they were despondent about what they did uh, that yeah. evening. So we, we think that there's other people that know. I think the biggest message here is we need people to step up. There is, there is DNA. All you need is a name and you can close this case and bring closure to this case. Um, is there anything direct you'd like to say to the general public or individuals that know uh, that know who did this or the person that did this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things have changed. It's been a long time. Please just come forward. Provide us the name of this individual. We'll do the investigation. We'll do the rest. We'll, we'll, 
we'll get the DNA and we'll match the DNA and we'll uh, we'll prove that this was the person that killed Donna. Um, but what we need is a we need a tip. We need a name. We need we need someone to follow up on. And if it was the the in to the individual, if they do see this podcast, um, you know, this is something where they, they can actually make it right, meaning that they confess up to this and they can can make this. Uh, they can do the best they can with the situation by coming clean and being honest, because um, this is a beast of burden to live with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, maybe you have an explanation for what happened that night. We don't know, but we won't know until we speak with you. So absolutely come forward, um, provide us with the information of what, what occurred that night in that lot. Thanks very much, Steve. And that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, I appreciate you being with us. And if you have any tips on any of our cold case files, please reach out to Toronto Homicide or Obi and Inc. And you can be anonymous. Thanks for joining us.